Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s. A time of AMRAs and clamshells. A time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs. A time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of Blockbuster Video. The Walmart of the video rental industry. The mom and pop video store killer. The corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now, aside from parody Twitter accounts. By the way, The Last Lonely Blockbuster is amazing and you should be following them. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars, who are in the know, arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Welcome back, everybody, to the Talkbuster podcast. As always, um, this is Chris Chipman, the Chippa. Um got another special treat for you guys instead of uh, having someone on this from my um, group of friends I worked at Blockbuster with I have another uh, fan from Twitter that sought me out um, and uh, has some stories of his own that seem pretty unique um, so uh, without further ado please introduce yourself buddy hi everybody uh, my name is Hugh Campbell I'm from the DC metropolitan area and I was an employee for game crazy and Hollywood video from 2005 to 2009. Cool, and um, those of you who have uh, listened to um, the episode with my buddy Dan from Movie Gallery will know that Hollywood Video and Game Crazy and Movie Gallery were the same company. Um, and I don't know much about Game Crazy, so this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and welcome, welcome to uh, your first podcast with me, um, good sir. Um, is there oh, any trust me. first podcast ever for the record? Really? Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, mine too. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? So before we get into that, your Twitter handle, um, V Green Goblin V, is, is that uh, the, the intended pronunciation or is it just Green Goblin with some like metal fingers at it's, the ends or something like it's, that? It's literally just Green Goblin with some garnishments on the ends. I was a big Spider-Man fan. My dad grew up as a kid in Queens, so Spider-Man's sort of been in my blood my entire life. And I got onto the internet right around 2002, which was when the first Spider-Man movie came out. So I chose a net handle, and I stuck with it. That's awesome. My, my net handle is less interesting. It's just, you know, my nickname. Hey, at least you had a nickname, or at least one you can remember into adulthood. Right, right, right. <laughs> cool, man. So, um... You know, I, I don't know you very well. Um, in fact, this is, I didn't know your name until you called me on Skype. <laughs> so, so that I just knew him as Green Goblin. Um, so, uh, you know, give, give us a little background about you, um, a little more than we just had before, uh, before we go into this. 
All right. Uh, well, like I said, I'm from the D.C. metropolitan area. Uh, we call it the DM here. Sorry, the DMV here colloquially. Uh, Is that because you, it's boring and you have to wait in line everywhere, or? Uh, no, it's, I, I wish. Uh, nah, it's not boring. It's actually pretty well exhausting. Yeah, I can imagine. Here. But uh, no, it's D.C., Maryland, Virginia, DMV. Yep. Uh, if you picture the uh, shape of D.C. like a clock. Uh, the part I'm from is like around one or two o'clock. Okay. Somewhat going into three, and that's the uh, part known as Prince George's County, Maryland, or PG County. Uh, it's actually the wealthiest county in the country with a black majority. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot, some people don't think about it, but like uh, it's one of the quote-unquote safest places to grow up black, you know. And uh, my parents, they moved here from Virginia and New York, respectively, met at Howard University, uh, both went into medical careers. And being surrounded by medicine my entire life, I knew sure as hell I did not want to do that. Right. So, <laughs> so I leaned into technology. I'm currently an engineer uh, working for a company repairing ATMs for a living. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you... Yeah. Uh... Did you did you go to school for engineering, or is um or is that a job you got like through experience? Uh, funny enough, I actually got it uh, through experience. And one of the things I told them on my um, job interview was that I could take apart a PlayStation Two and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. I could fix them lickety split, and I learned that from my days working at Game Crazy. Oh, that's awesome! So now you're you got the the engineer title, ripping apart ATMs, and it's all back to video stores oh my god oh yeah uh, it, truth be told it's um the game thing has sort of followed me every w employment that i've ever had any boss that i've ever had is like hey i'm looking to get a video game for so-and-so what's a good video game for my son my daughter my boyfriend my girlfriend and i'm just the guy that they sort of tap on the shoulder and ask yeah that's been uh my brother and i at every family gathering yeah for the <laughs> What movie is good right now? Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you I was working at the game store from 2005 to 2009. You know, 2006 was when the Nintendo Wii came out. And let me tell you, there was no sweeter time to be working at a video game store. Because it was like you were a made man or some shit. Right. You got the in. <laughs> like, you got the in, buddy. Oh, you got the in. You were having favors. People were offering you money. Some other much more illicit things. <laughs> for a, for a Wii, nonetheless, they were lines were going for two years straight for that console. I remember uh, Christmas came around the year that came out, and um, that was back when. Let's see, I think I I was in college or had just moved into my apartment in Lowell, but was still in grad school. I think that's when that went down. I might have actually just been still in college, and. Uh, so we'd go home to my mother's house on Christmas morning, and my brother and sister still lived there. Um, Bob, you know, was does not live there anymore, even though the internet thinks he does. Um, <laughs> the internet's full of haters. <laughs> I love it. I just always like to rip into those people every once in a while. But anyway, um, and he had gotten in line to get a Wii, like, on opening night, like the very first thing, and got one and didn't tell anybody. And felt so oh, and felt so guilty about getting it that he didn't keep it for himself. He got it for me. Aww. And so we hooked it up at the house. And I said, until he was able to find his own, 
I left it at my mother's house so we could all use it when we came there, like on the weekends. So it was wow. it was cool because I mean that's what that console's made for, right? Is for you know families oh, yeah. to get together and have a good time, and that, we 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 kept that going. So I thought that and was really cool. In the exact counter spirit of what you just said, let me tell you my Wii experience on launch day. All right. Um, the Wii launched, I believe it was November 19th, 2006. And I remember the E3 showing of that. I saw it and I'm like, okay, so they got this motion control thing. And I'm already seeing like, oh, it's going on the Today Show. And I call my coworker, uh, Jordo is his name. And I say, okay, I don't know if this thing's going to be the next big thing or not, but I can tell you one thing, it's going to sell. So as soon as we get these things available, we need to reserve our own copies first. And, like, the store needs its own for the store, of course, but we need to be in the know. Also, I kind of want it to, to play the new Zelda because, of course, I do. Right. I mean, if, <laughs> if it plays a new Zelda, we will buy it. <laughs> now, November 19th was also a different uh, special day for me back then because it was also the date of my then-girlfriend's birthday. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. So, now, Zelda is my favorite game series with a bullet. I love Zelda. First individual cartridge game I got was Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. I oh, played, man. I've played every Zelda game backwards and forwards more, more times than I can count. The first time I used Green Goblin as a username was to join a Zelda message board. <laughs> oh, message boards. <laughs> Oh, God. Shout-outs to Legends Alliance, yo. Oh, man, uh, I think I was on that one. <laughs> um, so I get my system. At the same time, I'm calling my girlfriend. Oh, babe, we're going to spend the whole day together. You're going to love it. We'll take you to that nice uh, new romance movie you wanted to see. Get fancy there. In the back of my mind, I'm like, i got to be a good boyfriend. But damn it, I want to play Zelda so fucking much. <laughs> and, like, she can tell just from looking at me as I'm, like, putting on a forced grin through the entire day. And she's just like, you really want to play your fucking video game, don't you? Like, uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, fine. I, I still spent the whole day with her. I, I do not chintz out on this at all. Uh, 10 p.m. comes. I drop her off. Respectful. Kiss on the cheek. I peel ass home. And then spend an entire 24 hours straight with the Twilight oh Princess. God. All oh right. Oh, my God. It was like I just came up for air and water, and that was it. It was it was that kind of game. Oh, yeah. Like I say, it's how I sink my teeth into all Zelda games. Like, even in high school, when I got Wind Waker, like, I was asleep in English the next day. Hugh, why are you so sleepy? New Zelda. What? Shut up. I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man yeah. that's awesome now uh when i got out of high school uh first thing i did was i looked for a job because i was attending uh community college yep i didn't know what the hell i was doing with my life so i didn't want to waste my parents money and i didn't think i deserved a scholarship so i just went to community college i'm like well i'm not going full-time i gotta find a job and the local eb was hiring so i take a job and my first day is Black Friday. Man, you know, that dates this conversation perfectly. That, oh, EB Games? That it's Electronics, well, it wasn't even EB Games, it was Electronics Boutique, right? 
yeah, and then it was EB Games, and then it was GameStop and Funko Land, and then they all kind of, yeah. Oh, no, no. When GameStop came onto the territory, that's after they bought EB Games. Was it? I, I don't even remember how it went. I just remember, like, I still call GameStop Electronics Boutique. Like, oh, I, re- I remember, because that's actually the reason why I left. Okay. The EB Games tended to do things relatively smooth. They look out for the customer first and foremost. And we had always heard nothing but horror stories about how GameStop tended to put themselves above the customer for all things. With EB Games, the edge card was like $5, and you could tack it onto any like $50 used purchase for free or even cheaper. With GameStop, they expected you to push this $20 card. They expected you to push it every single transaction, every single pre-order, every single warranty, to the point where you sounded like a robot who had no soul. Sounded like a blue and gold company I worked for. Yeah. I've been told. <laughs> uh, I, remember, I had to sell uh, people direct TV. So, uh, ooh. Cause, cause oh, if, I'm sorry. Because if, if nothing screams video rental, it's direct TV. <laughs> oh, God. See, I'll, I'll have to tell you, after, after this for a while, I was a banker. I got you beat on that because I was trying to get people to refinance their frickin' houses. Oh, no. But that's a story for another time. You're right. Um, so, 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 um, so you started at, you, so you were looking for a job, ended up at Electronics Boutique, and this is when you were going to community college. That's where we're yep. at, right? All right, cool. Yeah, this is uh, fall of 2004. Graduated wow. high school 2004, so this would be fall of 2004. And the guy behind the counter knew me as a customer for a long time. Uh, oh, cool! Pierre. You're only you're only two years younger than me. Sweet. Oh yeah. Nice. So, like, <laughs> uh, he actually um, he gets me the job. He's real friendly, and my dopey ass is thinking, "Oh boy, I got a great job. Video game store. It's gonna be so fun." Hey, what's the starting pay? Five fifty. All right. Holy shit. Man. Yeah, that's that's before that minimum wage raise, man. Whoa, so so in two thousand four, minimum wage was five fifty. Where you were, minimum wage was five fifty. Well, it was six seventy five here in two thousand two. Mm. But then again, that's you know, Taxachusetts. Yeah. <sighs> All I knew was I had enough money to actually keep some video games in my pocket, and this was back once again. This was before GameStop bought everything. So they had this EB Games had like a PC section. Oh yeah, and it had a um, section with like the uh, original dubbed uh, episodes of DBZ by Funimation. I remember I used to buy them from there. Oh uh, yeah, I was gonna say that's when it, the uh, Boo at the uh, Boo Saga Afterlife tournament was going on. I think was during this time. Did you did and... you have Suncoasts near you? I, there was once there's one Suncoast I remember from back in the day, and it was at Pentagon City Mall in Arlington, Virginia. Okay. Uh, it was, it, for the record, Pentagon City was one of those malls that, like, in the 90s, it was like a fucking megaplex. Huge, like, five stories, giant skylight, like, one of those malls you'd see in, like, Power Rangers the movie to personify the 90s, like, oh, yeah. in the spirit of a building. 90s opulence. This is where the yeah. teens go. Like, just imagine a wall, a mall that's, like, the manifestation of that, like, blue and purple, like, cup thing from the 90s. Oh, no. You know, like, the little blue and purple design. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a Suncoast. Now, in the mall that I worked at, 
which was uh, Prince George's Plaza Mall, PG Plaza. Um, it had a Sam Goody. Yeah, Sam Goody and Suncoast were uh, the same parent company, I believe. Yeah, my God. That Sam Goody, I think, stayed afloat until... Because that's actually where I got my first DVDs. Uh, my first DVD that I ever bought was a copy of Resident Evil. Nice. <laughs> because I was a little teenage edgelord, and there you have it. Oh, yeah. The first, the first DVD I purchased with money, or my own money, but it wasn't for me. It was a copy of The Matrix for my brother. Uh, um, of course. Because we had seen it in the theater, and like, well, it was between being in the theater and being released on video is when DVD like got this big push and he bought a DVD player and I'm like, I'm getting him The Matrix because it's the coolest damn movie I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, no. The Matrix was the reason for the push to the DVD, yep. if I recall correctly. It was that and the fact that it came free with every PlayStation 2. That's actually what gave the PS2 that entire generation. Yep. That push for the DVD and the fact that Ma it's like, this is the best way to watch The Matrix, the coolest new sci-fi action movie on the map. And it, and it looked fantastic on DVD, and now I look at DVDs and go, I feel like I'm looking at this through a plate glass window. Yeah. <laughs> like it's oh so God. weird. Oh, God. When you get it, – it, it's really – it's that upgrade to the HD TVs is when you do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think there was a game that actually made me get an HD TV. It was, uh, it was Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Yep. The font is so teeny tiny on standard definition television, it is illegible. <laughs> so like it's one of like certain games like just forced you to upgrade oh this yeah back when HDTVs costed like two grand oh yeah <laughs> now, um it's also, that Sam Goody's also where I got my box edition of Spider-Man complete with like a cell from the movie and all yep. that stuff yep uh god I think I still have that somewhere oh for the record if you don't have a PS4 getting Spider-Man on the PS4 is worth buying one for. Yeah, that's that's um what I've been hearing and telling myself. Um, I do not have a PS4, and uh, oh boy, I I think I, I'm I think I might just go camp out at my buddy Steve's house and play the game. Dude, no no bullshit. I actually cried in that game. That game is good. Oh, oh man, yeah. it it just the I I've been watching a lot of videos from it. It just it makes me really happy that you, you know the net handle as you picked it and you said for Spider-Man I, I that was a game changer I still don't think I've been as happy in a superhero movie I mean I I grew up with Superman right so <laughs> Superman's my quintessential like they don't get better than this like superhero movie growing up and then they didn't make that many other ones right that were any good yeah so seeing Spider-Man and going Finally, one of these gets it again. You can be like this. Like, you can be... I was going to say, it's that and Lord of the Rings, they were the yeah. one-two punch that opened the floodgates, the geek-chic revolution. It was started. awesome, and I, I loved being the age I was, and, like, you know, when we when I was working in Blockbuster, um, I remember the, Lord, the, the episodes of Entertainment Weekly came out first talking about Lord of the Rings, and even the guys I worked with, like... You know, you had like a line down the middle of people that just didn't know who the people making this movie were. And so, you know, and it was it was still in the earlier years of the Internet. So, you know, you'd be like, oh, man, 
let me go home and get my VHS copy of Dead Alive and wait until you get excited. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, what's this guy done? Have you seen Frighteners, perchance? Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's just, it It was so cool to to live during that period of, like, just, like you said, this, like, almost, this revolution of entertainment of it becoming, you know, it went from, like, the, the thing you talk about with your buddies in the basement of a comic shop while you were playing Magic the Gathering to everybody in your class is talking about it all the cool kids all the nerdy kids everybody wants to go see lord of the rings everyone wants to go see spider-man and it's like holy shit like i remember there was a uh, there was a moment in my high school life where i realized that things were starting to change and like geeky things were getting a bit more popular and it was when uh a cute girl who like was like with the pep squad and all that stuff heard that I had gotten a bootleg copy of The Two Towers for Christmas. <laughs> and, like, it was, it was like, right when the movie came out. And she felt the urge to come up to me, can I borrow it for, like, a week? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Here you go. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so this is what it's like to actually be culturally relevant. Right. <laughs> All right, cool, I can dig this. And we had, like, a game room set up in our um, science lab every lunchroom. Uh, I'm a bit of a basement king of Smash Brothers, but to this day, I'm, it's one of those games where it's like, I bet I can beat you in that I will always step up to the challenge. Because nice. every lunch hour in science room, it was Smash Brothers Fight Club with us. Oh, that's that was college for me. <laughs> yeah, we, we had, you, you'd either have people playing Counter-Strike or people playing Smash Brothers. And there was always uh, all the straight edge kids. That was their joke. That was friends. Let's go get smashed. And they were just going to their room to play Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was great. Uh, but like, what's cool is when we made the Smash Room. Like originally, real talk actually, and uh, me and my classmates we inherited it from the seniors because it used to be a room that was full of Sega Dreamcast playing uh, Street Fighter Third Strike. Oh yeah. Then like that that group that generation graduated. So they sort of passed the mantle down to us, and we set it up first year. I think it was Worms Armageddon. Yep. And, Mu and uh, Mugen. I don't know. Do you, are you familiar with Mugen? No. Okay, Mugen was a fighting game engine that you could download onto your uh, computer, and you could download individual characters from any fighting game. And, so, like, oh, wow. People so would make like custom a... fighter games. Yeah, custom fighters. For That's it. super cool. It's like character emulation instead of uh, that. Exactly. That's weird. Or I, like I, they sort of put it into a universal fighting game format, and you could find them on websites. It's like, oh, I want this version of Ryu from Street Fighter uh, Alpha Two. Well, I want this version from Street Fighter Three Second Impact. Oh, well, I want him to fight uh, Super Saiyan Four Gogeta from this unreleased Japanese Dragon Ball Z fighting game. And we can fight him against this random created Sonic character that some furry created and uh. rejiggered into a full fighting game character. I love it. Like, it it was it was the hypest shit until Smash Brothers came out. Once when, Smash, when Smash Brothers, Brothers just out, just did that for the entire Nintendo canon. Oh, you you want to fight these two guys? Yeah, we'll do that for you. Yeah, exactly. It's just locked in. Oh, you want to throw down? Cool. Uh, five stock, no items, final destination. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, um, 
obviously you could tell from my uh, gaming experience, I was a shoo-in for the EB Games job. Absolutely. But I had to learn how to turn off the nerd. I think it was like my first month I kept on recommending Katamari Damacy to like everyone who walked in the front door. Did you hear they're bringing out the remastered version of it on the Switch? And I am getting it, absolutely. I love Katamari Damacy with a burning passion. My brother, called, is... my brother called me at one in the morning to tell me that. He was so excited. He's like, Chris, 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 Chris. Honestly, I didn't know he was such a fanboy for Katamari Damacy. He, so, he doesn't so like to show his PlayStation he, flavor much. He got his exposure to PlayStation um, through me. And I, ah. I talked about this on the tangent before with him, but... You know, I bought a PlayStation. We were a Nintendo house through and through. And I bought a PlayStation, and it nearly killed him. Like, <laughs> I like, just imagined him standing up, Judas! Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, it was the, Bob, I need, need to play Final Fantasy VII, and you have no say. And then he sat down and played it, and he goes, it's really fucking good. It's like that bit in High Fidelity, right? You ever seen High Fidelity? Uh, I think you might be speaking a little before my time. Okay, so so it's a Jack Black movie. It's Jack Black and John Cusack, and it's basically Clerks, but in a record store, um, and it's it's great. And there's these like douchey skater punk kids that keep like breaking in and robbing the place, and John Cusack comes in at one point, and Jack Black's sitting at the counter, and he's got this music playing, and he's like, "Dude, what's wrong?" And he's sitting there bawling his eyes out, like at the counter, and he goes. What's wrong? And he goes, this music. He goes, yeah, who is it? He goes, it's those fucking skater punks. Well, why are you crying? <laughs> it's really fucking good. <laughs> and um, it just always reminded me of that. And so, uh, you know, I would end up, you know, it, it'd be like, you know, the, the, he never actually paid for it. But, he'd, you know, come in there and go, you should you should really get this. I want to try this game. Oh, but no, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. didn't, didn't I, I'm not a Sony guy. So, no, no. F- fuck Sony. <laughs> you know what For I mean? the record, I was pretty much the exact same way until I graduated high school. I think I got um, see, my parents they invited like every family member ever when I graduated high school. So out comes second and third cousins, but everyone's given like cash is flowing in in ways that my little teenage mind had never imagined. So my first thought is, okay, I've been putting this off for too long. Kingdom Hearts looks really cool. Yay! I'm gonna have to buy a PlayStation too. And I buy it, and I get Metal Gear Solid uh-huh. uh, 2, because I played Twin Snakes on the GameCube, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty damn good. I should probably look. I beat Snake, Eater, I beat Snake Eater over the course of a single day. That was such <laughs> a great friggin' game. Um, so uh, when I got my PS2, that's when I got Katamari Damacy, and... Like, I also started, I started hyping that game up, and I tried to sell it to everyone who walked through the door, and I had to be pulled aside by, like, one of my coworkers, uh, one of my coworkers, Jordo, and he straight up's like, dude, we know it's a good game. The guy who's coming in here trying to buy Madden doesn't give a shit. But he should, goddammit. Sorry. <laughs> sell that guy Madden. I'm like, oh, okay. And that's sort of, I had to be tempered into, like, yeah, okay, I have to appeal to the base nature of every customer just because I think it's the hypest shit that everyone's going to think it. And it's that sort of soul crushing. Yeah, that's right. I'm actually in customer service. Chris, you you have to pretend that Michael Bay makes good movies. 
Oh. Oh. No, tr trust me. The schlock you've had to sell, I don't think comes close to the schlock I had to sell. All right. I, I love it. Let's go. Okay. I don't know if you know this, but the mid-2000s was an era that brought us the, what I'll colloquially refer to as the ghetto shooter experience. Oh, I remember the ghetto shooter experience. Now, the first one, I believe, was 187 Ride or Die. Yes, it was. And I remember seeing this game, looking at the, looking at the um, game box, and just like in my mind thinking, like, this is the first time I'd ever thought this, but just looking at the box, I could just tell, this isn't good. This is a bad video game. I've never played it before. I have no intention of ever playing it, but I can tell just from looking at this box, this game sucks. We you were, sold about, you were right. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Because we sold about 30 copies of them that day, and about 22 of them came back. We couldn't we couldn't take them back as returns because they had been opened, but 22 customers were so hateful of this game, they were willing to trade it in for half of its value just to get it the fuck out of their house. That's awesome. After, after I think, like, the 20th person came back, we all just, okay, even manager came and he's like, all right, you know what, fuck, we're not selling it anymore. Anyone asks for it, we're going to recommend strongly that they don't get it because we can't afford to lose the, like, the wisdom of these we can't afford to like lose faith for these customers they sort of trust us here. that was the line that they drew right there yeah it's like we we don't want to sell them absolute shit <laughs> and i think it was um i remember the straw breaking the camel's back for why one of the reasons why i left eb after they got bought out by gamestop was because another ghetto shooter was on the way and it was another one that i could easily tell was gonna suck and it was 50 cent bulletproof <laughs> and, and they're saying you gotta hype this up. You gotta get pre-orders on this. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> that that's okay. And I managed to. That was about the one year market EB games. Because I went through a Black Friday. I went through the holiday rush. I went through uh, the post holiday uh, holiday just vacation period, which is like from January sixth to like the start of March Madness. So like those three months is just a dead zone in the store. You could do whatever in the store and no one gave a shit. Wow. Um, I think it was August was probably the busiest season because of Madden. Uh, Madden 2006. I remember I had to sell that game without a scanner. So I had to manually type in the UPC code. So I'm going to remember the number 0146331493388 until the day I die. I like I love that. As soon as you started going, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> it's you can you can Google it. Zero one no no you're you're, you're right. Is it's it's Madden 2006 on the PlayStation 2. Wow. Ah <laughs> oh, man, it was. That's also when I learned how dangerous sarcasm could be in a workplace environment because I got a death threat on me due to my uh, due to a Madden fan not understanding that I was trying to get him to laugh. What did you say? Or is this okay. or is this court ordered? I can't say it now. No, no, no. I, I think he was just flummoxed. But um, 
a lot of times I'll say that certain game fans aren't necessarily gamers. If you play Madden per, exclusively... Particularly people, people that play Madden. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I, that's I that's not even. I don't a, want to pigeonhole, but no, yeah. it, it's not even a slight. You know, I I said to my friends one time, you know, um, it, it's not even a slight. It, it's using the same part of your brain, just differently. Um, you know, people that play fantasy sports. I reminded my friends one time. You know, we couldn't get into Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. I go, you play fantasy sports. You play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it's it's literally the same thing. <laughs> it's you're using the exact same amount of brain power. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, okay, attack, defense, speed, hit points. Yeah, no, you got it all. <laughs> uh, uh, the only thing you're missing is a twenty sided die and rolling for initiative. Eh, some of them use that. Oh but that's, my god! Are but that's a different story. I have some very nerdy friends that also play fantasy sports. Yeah. By all means, we'll pick up on that later. They they do <laughs> they do their drafts interestingly. <laughs> Just oh my god. <laughs> okay. Uh, death threat. Before I forget. Yes. Um, sorry. I I do that... this. I do this. If you if you noticed. It's cool. It's cool. It's like uh, a Robin Williams joke. It just <laughs> keeps circling back <laughs> on itself. Oh. Um. So. When Madden season came around, and particularly in PG County. Every time they asked for it, I, I noticed this. It was always "y'all got that Madden." That that was the phrase. Like you could, we could have written that on the um, on the glass, and it would have gone viral. But, that should have uh, been on the cover box. Y'all got that Madden, and this was about one and a half weeks after the game had come out. So we actually had some used copies in. So a guy comes in, he goes, "Yo, y'all got that Madden?" I said, "Yeah, we even got some used copies." He uh. He asked me, all right, how much is it uh, used? I go, it's $44.99. He goes, how much is it new? $49.99. He looks me up and down. He says, quote, nigga, what's $5? <laughs> and I go, well, it's a little green piece of paper with Abraham Lincoln on it, and you can exchange it for goods and services. Now, I was joking. I was trying to – he took this as like an insult to his honor. Oh, shit. Fuck you, you faggot ass motherfucker! Like it was, children were covering their ears. Ned Flanders was leaning out his window, saying it was the worst profanity he'd ever heard. And I just had to go like, yo, I was. It was a joke, man. What? Which one do you want? Which one do you want? It's like I'll take the new. And he's like looking up and down, like he's gonna try and start something with me. <laughs> okay, no, here, there you, there you go, dude. Do you want anything else? No, okay. So, so I'm sorry. I'm sincere. And, like, he goes, yeah, fuck you, as he's walking out the door. I go, eh, you're not my type. And <laughs> at this point, he is back at it. My coworker has to tell me to go in the back for being an idiot. Like, at this point, like, I am being a smart ass, too smart ass for my own good. He sends my ass to the back. And the guy, he calls me back. He's like, yo, the dude was saying he's got a shotgun. He's going to be waiting for you in the parking lot. Jesus. Thankfully for me, his dumbass didn't know that we park in the back of the mall, bitch. Ha <laughs> uh, <laughs> You slunk out the back. Uh. I, well, we didn't slunk. It's just better parking back there. No, I know. A lot I... of the mainstream folk know that. Uh, but yeah, um, a couple of times I got yelled at by management. That was one of them. The other time was when we had a uh, you just lost yourself a customer moment. Mm-hmm. And oh, 
the best. I did the uh, I did the uh, C. Buscemi from Reservoir Dogs. Like, you know what this is? Well, <laughs> smallest violin playing just for that guy. And like, unbeknownst to me, our district manager is standing right behind me. Of course they were. Oh God! And like me, this dopey little eighteen-year-old part-timer doing such a brazen, big ball, big dick move in front of the DM. I'm thinking, oh, I am most assuredly fired. Now, all he did was pull me aside and go, yeah, no, that guy was an asshole. Next time you want to make a smart-ass remark, just make sure no other customers can hear it. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that was a DM named Max, and Max carried himself like a drugland enforcer. He had, like, a full-on giant gangster-style jacket, and he looked like he could crush your skull with one hand. I bet he could. I bet yeah. he has. Like, like picture Bubbles from Lilo and Stitch, and you add maybe about 20 years and some lawyer glasses on, and that's Max. Man. Most, most of uh, my district leaders were very small, unassuming women. So this is really... <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, we... Um, now, it changed when I did go to uh, Game Crazy. First thing first, I wasn't the only person to go to Game Crazy. Uh, I actually learned from my, my coworker, Jordo, the one that pulled me aside and told me to knock that shit off, he leaves to Game Crazy because they're offering him better pay. Uh, but once more, you can actually tell a customer at Game Crazy whether a game is good or bad. It allows, they ha we had like demo kiosks in the store where we could have customers Play the game that they want to prior to purchasing. Okay, so, so this this is getting very exciting to me. So, describe to me what Game Crazy is, because it sounds to me like Hollywood Video. So, what did they do? They they made a game sales store within their video store. Yeah, like if you were to like look at the blueprints for any given Hollywood Video, and you take like the southwest quarter, and just like make a big square in it, they would line that up with chain link fences that could lock independently from Hollywood Video, put a separate door to the outside there, and just sell games out of it. And it had a very smooth system, one that I think honestly GameStop would uh, be greatly improved upon if they followed this. Rather than gutting new games, which I don't think anyone likes at this point, Game Crazy had all of the games alongside the back wall and would have a counter stretch along the entire perimeter of the store. So it were all, all the new games were up on the back wall in alphabetical order with uh, back shelves of them under the counter. Think like in a carnival game. So yeah. The customer could point to what they want on the wall. You could reach underneath, grab a new copy. When they're out of the new copy, you take the new one off the wall for the final one, shift the wall down. No muss, no fuss. You don't have to get guts. You don't have to open up new games. And overall, the customer satisfaction is a lot better. Right, cause, and it's easy. Do you have exactly. it? Do you see it? Do you <laughs> see it? No, then we don't have it. It makes it really easy. You don't have it. Oh, man. Yeah. I uh, I really wish I had ever stumbled upon one of these because I don't think I've ever been in a Hollywood video. There were a couple of them around here. So, there, oh, yeah, there was. There originally with us, we had a uh, video rental store called Errol's, which was, I think, exclusive to Maryland and D.C. for a while. Okay. Blockbuster didn't come to us until I want to say 1991, 92. Yeah, that's about their the the westward expansion, as it were, or yeah. eastward. 
Oh, God. The but, manifest um, destiny of Sumner Redstone and Viacom. Oh, boy. I remember during, I think it was, Taco Bell offered a grande meal. And the grande meal would come with a free video game and movie rental from Blockbuster. Of course it did. And a couple of weekends, that was just what we did. Just like, okay, 1998, cool, let's rent Godzilla and you can play Paper Mario on the 64. Sweet. <laughs> All right, that's a weekend. Yeah, I, I don't. It, it was interesting that Taco Bell and Blockbuster always seemed to come hand in hand. They were always near each other. Yeah, that was a weird thing. Like, every time you saw a Blockbuster, if you, like, scan the horizon, there is somewhere a Taco Bell, like, within maybe a less than a mile radius. There was this interesting thing going on um, at Blockbuster near the, not near the end end, but near the uh, the like line in the sand, Viacom dropping the company and them kind of starting to teetering downward where they were mm. talking about gutting the stores like you talked about um, for uh, Game Crazy, but sticking Radio Shacks and Pizza Huts in them. Whoa. Right? Okay, that's a weird turn. Right? It was, like, inside. So you entered the Blockbuster. It wasn't like it was going to be a Pizza Hut front that you could, like... like that's, you had to be in the Blockbuster to go to the Pizza Hut and the Radio Shack. Yeah, like, that's catering to a very specific demographic. Hey, are you, like, a Matrix-style hacker who gets bored on Friday nights and wants to watch a movie? Come, come get some more tools, a pizza... And a movie right. all in one store. Right. Do you need cheesy bread, thermal grease, and a porn? I'm sorry, a softcore <laughs> porn? Because this is Blockbuster. Do you picture yourself as Neo before he got awoken? Head on down. <laughs> we guarantee 10 years from now, you're going to be hanging out in 4chan and Reddit forums. Oh, Wait a minute, God. what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, um, but Hollywood Video had Game Crazy, um, they, they had established a store, like, diagonal corner away from the mall. Yep. So, so we literally jumped ship and went right there. Now, as soon as I got there, I thought it was fantastic. We had, uh, there wasn't a big push for our memberships, but the memberships came with so much more, and as a result, it was easier to sell, particularly to excited kids. It was like, I think it was $15, but $15 didn't just get you 10% off used games. It also gave you 10% more on trade-ins, and this was before GameStop was doing that. Right. Uh, we also price matched. That was the other thing about Game Crazy. If you found a lower game anywhere else, you bring in uh, like a coupon or like a display of it, and we'd much match that price. So funny story about price matching. Um, hmm. So stop and shop. Um, I, I'm assuming they're a national chain. I always try to bring that. You, do you have stop and shops near you? I don't think so. Is it a pharmacy? No, it's a it's a grocery store like Shaw's or um, Star Market or um, Publix or. Yeah, um, you're speaking Greek to me, man. Hannaford. Okay, so again, I don't I don't know. Like I said, I'm. I, we have I uh, we have I, we have Safeway. We have Giant. Shopper there you go. Warehouse. Like that. Um. Anyway, so, so stop and shop decided they were going to have an entertainment aisle and this was they so they sell dvds and video games and magazines so think about like in the middle of like a shopper's world or a safeway they just stuck an aisle 
of locked down under lock and key where you got to find some poor manager to come to get it out for you. Video games oh, and movies. God. So think think about that, and then think about that company deciding that their price match guarantee that they had. But here's the crazy thing about their price match guarantee. It wasn't just you could bring in an ad from somewhere else. If they mismarked it, like because it's a grocery store, Stop and Shop's big thing is if you bring up a thing of, um, you know, uh, baking soda, and the baking soda is marked a dollar ninety nine, and it rings up a dollar ninety six, we're gonna give it to you for free. Oh my! Because God. we screwed up. So oh they they did this, and this policy carried over to video games and DVDs. So you couple that with an aisle that's not manned by employees constantly and the prices are constantly changing so oh, for the, the for like would be all over that for about a month one of our buddies ended up working there and he for about a month he'd like peruse the like the row and go <laughs> dude i got the thing down that at midnight tonight the price of um, X video game is going to change. It's going to go down by five bucks. And I guarantee you they're not repricing until the weekend. So if you guys come in tomorrow and buy, you know, Metal Gear Solid 4 or, you know, whatever it is at the time, it's going to ring up wrong and they're going to give it to you for free. And it worked oh, every God. time. <laughs> I could imagine that system working every time. Like, we had people that would abuse systems at Game Crazy. But we would never do something that fucking stupid. It, it went away we very had... quick. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine so. Um, I think the most we had, uh, well, first things first, we had a few nicknames for regular customers over at Game Crazy. But uh, first things first, uh, Game Crazy actually, like I said, we price matched. We always guaranteed lower prices than EB Games or any other competitors. We guaranteed higher trade-ins. We had an industrial disc buffer in-house. So, Sick. During the age of scratched up CDs and DVDs, we could literally like remove a surface of the plastic and like polish it to a shine and actually get like thoroughly fucked up discs up and running again. We we actually had one of those at Blockbuster. The company didn't give it to us, but uh, one of the managers bought it and brought it like, in because he cared well, that much. And one I've... of the things with our membership was it got you unlimited disc cleanings. No shit. Yeah. So like for um. $15, you would get uh, 10% more off used games, 10% more on trade-ins. You would get um, a subscription to a video game magazine of your choice for a year. And it wasn't like just the fucking rag that GameStop sold, but like you could get Nintendo Power, PlayStation Magazine. Like I used it to renew Nintendo Power until I left that job. Oh, Nintendo Power. I was a Nintendo Power uh, child from like, I think my friend, my first one was like 1992. <laughs> I was um, there for the first issue. See, I was very my, young. I my, was taught by my older cousins. My older cousins had the first issues. My older cousins are where I learned from Battletoads and uh, original Street Fighter 2. And that's where I learned about Mortal Kombat and blood and decapitation. So, you know, my mom loved my cousins. That's awesome. <laughs> my, my brother has the the first issue his copy of the first issue of nintendo power which me and him beat to crap we found oh it <laughs> and taped it back together and he got it framed and then the last issue which was the same cover 
you know, just about Mario yeah, Odyssey yeah, no, I or have, something I, like that. I have uh, a wrapped copy of the last issue. Yeah, he's got those framed up on the wall behind his couch, and it's super uh, cool. I think my personal, like, biggest relic of video game uh, from my own past was my very first video game. It was hand-me-down from my mother. You remember, you've seen Gremlins, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know the little tabletop hand, like the tabletop ColecoVision Donkey Kong arcade game that Gizmo was playing? Yes. I had that. No shit. I still have that. It is on top of my fridge as we speak. That's awesome. I I can put four C batteries in and it will play. See, that's super cool. Um, That is, that was my first game. I think it was two when I started playing that thing. Um, But... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. I was talking about subscriptions. Yeah, uh, I do. I do this. Yeah, you were talking about no, the, uh, the 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 card of the subscription got you ten percent off you, the unlimited 10% cleanings. Ten percent off. It got the the unlimited cleanings. It gave you the subscription, and we also, whenever uh, you sold a console, you would also get a uh, big flyer with twelve free video game rentals on it, one per month. So you could go to Hollywood and rent one game per month for the whole year. See, to me, I mean, I really cannot believe I've never heard of this store. Like, I really hope everyone listening to this has also never heard of Game Crazy because it sounds like just a relic of the time. Like, it. Oh it, yeah. It's like the perf. If Blockbuster had done something like this with like EB or Suncoast or somebody like that, just oh, yeah, imagine. There's a possibility they might still be around. Yeah, I mean, because we. Blockbuster's video game selling any type of sales that that company handled was so archaic and stupid. They, they ran it almost like a pawn shop, at least whenever I went to the Blockbuster. Yeah. Game. It was just like, oh, this game has been rented like infinity times. Yeah, you can buy it for about the same price as a used copy at GameStop. So do you want the copy that was owned by one person or the copy that was played by hundreds? Right. That was the thing. It's like, hey, I want to buy this game. Well, I've got 50 of them. I'm going to give you the uh, a magnet that unlocks them all. You just go out there and look at them all till you find one that isn't scratched to oh, shit. Oh, God. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, That's what you do when you like the customer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, with um, We had regulars, of course. Um, oh, yeah. One of my closest friends and coworker now actually started off as a regular at that store. And he would come in, and this was uh, beyond the days of Bugen. So he would come in and show these cool Mugen characters that he would get. And I don't know if you know this, there's actually a website called Salty Bet where people make like the most broken like fighting game characters in Mugen and put them up against one another. Almost like think of it almost like Pokemon. So like literally they'll make try and make the most busted character they possibly can get against the other most busted character and see who wins. That's awesome. And like people can watch it, it's live streamed and like place quote-unquote bets on it so my friend was doing this maybe 10 years before this thing became an actual thing on the internet uh, and um oh we also had a Yu-Gi-Oh gang I've, I've been thinking in my head about how to approach uh the characters in, that walked into my game store and when I've discussed this with any of my friends from back in the day they all said one thing be sure to mention the Yu-Gi-Oh gang Oh my. Now, I don't know if you know this, but with the rarity and value of cards, it creates sort of an economy. 
certain cards are worth more, certain cards are worth less. Yes, it does. And it is an unregulated economy. So if you have some, you know, some hoodlums who are banned from shoplifting at the mall who uh, get hold of this miniature economy, these little hoodlums are going to do little hoodlum shit. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah, these Yu-Gi-Oh cards, they became a commodity, and they would get off the green line of the metro, come over and sit in front of this fucking Starbucks from day till night and either play a children's card game, steal from the Hollywood video, or fight about a children's card game. Jesus Christ. The I am not so, gang. And I'm not... Most, a lot of these guys weren't children. Like, picture guys in their early to mid-twenties doing this. Oh, no. This entire thing reached a crescendo, if you will, when I'm working one shift, it's pretty dull, but then I start to see the reflection of police sirens on the side of the uh, wind, out the uh, side of the sign outside. And some kid comes running in, he goes, Yo, get this, Beastmaster Stab Dietrich! And, alright, first things first, I know who Beastmaster is. He ran a Beast Warrior deck, so they gave him the name Beastmaster. Yep. And Dietrich had stolen one of his cards. I believe it was Mirror Force, which was a card that was a staple in every person's deck, and I think had a value of like twenty-five to thirty bucks at the time. Yeah, that's that's worth stabbing someone over. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, guy got stabbed over a goddamn Yu-Gi-Oh card. This is a thing that happened around the corner from my store. Yeah. Uh, we also had, you know how, alright, you and I and Bob are Nintendo fanboys. Not terrible, but we we bat for Mario more than anything else, yes? Oh yeah. Yeah. We had the ultimate Sony fanboy at our store. How bad was this guy? He, instead of saying goodbye, would always say Play Beyond whenever he left a room. Oh, Jesus. I kid you not. Is that what we sound like? I I hope not. <laughs> oh, no. But, like, he got... Like, we actually ended up calling him the Beyonder because of this. The Beyonder. Oh, and after I left the store, he gets hired. What? He gets fired within, I want to say, three months for, no joke, cursing out the Microsoft representative. <laughs> like, that, that's like the plot of an undergrads episode. I was going to say, man, you couldn't write this. <laughs> oh. That's hysterical. Oh, my God. Like, I heard that, and I looked into it and found out it was all true. And I didn't know what to do with that information for the longest time. Like, how do you... Like, I love Nintendo. I know when to shut up, like, if the Sony rep is walking in. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, the Sony rep, you know, it's not like he's, you know, the head of some Sony street gang and you need to shoot... You don't need to defend Show it. off your They're Nintendo colors. Their day you know? Yeah. <laughs> God. You're not you're not dying on this hill, dude. There. <laughs> no, you're just causing a scene and setting like our people back. <laughs> That's a yeah, exactly. Um, uh, 
It's it's the Szechuan sauce before Szechuan sauce. Yeah, this is. Oh man. <laughs> um. Oh the oh the Szechuan sauce. I, I had a couple of managers uh, when I was over at Game Crazy. Um. I don't know if I I probably shouldn't use their real names. Yeah, it's always good with managers. It's always good not to because you never know when that person's gonna end up. Um, yeah. Trying to hire yeah. you again for something. The first manager, her name was M. Uh, she was, for the most part, just nice to a fault, just didn't take any bullshit nonsense, you know? And because I was a, you know, 20-something guy, I tended to speak a lot of bullshit, you know, because I was dumb. Um, she did, however, have a problem, and that problem was only confiding explicitly with her assistant manager. Who was basically the Dick Cheney to her George W. Bush? Ooh, did either yeah. of them uh, go on any interesting hunting trips? Dude, I don't think anyone would ever want to get close enough to these people for short-range weapons to actually <laughs> become a risk factor. Uh, and for some reason, she would never take her Bluetooth headset off, having a full-fledged conversation behind the counter any given day of the week. Oh no. Yeah. So, during this time, I actually got chummy with some of the Hollywood video folk. I through, also... Through the chain link fence? Of course. Were, were, like were, you, story, were you guys allowed to come... the other in, side. Were you guys allowed to come into each other's stores, or did you, like, make, like, little, like, canned telephones? Oh, <laughs> no, we came, we came through on empty times all the time. And I remember, uh, this was also during the advent of Guitar Hero. So, whenever uh... there was a slow lull, they would come over and either play a song or listen to a few songs. And everyone in that story eventually became a professional playing at expert level on Guitar Hero. Harmonics, Boston represent. Woohoo! Oh my god. I guess that's actually when I first learned about the song more than a feeling. <laughs> so good. Uh, but, like, um, also that's where I got some of my, um, like, movie knowledge as well. That's when I learned how to judge bad superhero movies for actually being bad superhero movies. That's when it's like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen Daredevil since it came out of theaters. Oh, wow, this really was terrible, wasn't it? Yep. All, <laughs> all, all you needed was a little separation from it. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Were all, we were all jaded. Okay, cool. Finally, one that's almost competent. And then you go back and look yeah. at it and go, oh, like, oh no. Oh, no, no. No, oh, oh no. Um, and I think it was, um, that's also where I learned about Clerks for the first time. I uh... swear to God, that is... That is just a thing that happens. If you are in a, if you work at a movie store at any point in time, like within the first week, someone's going to mention Kevin Smith. You're going to go, "Who's Kevin Smith?" And then you're going to have that magical experience. It's really interesting to think back. I think you know when Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out, I would describe this movie that me and my friends had seen nine times to people <laughs> and go, "You know, it's from Kevin Smith." The guy that made Clerks, the, the only time you could ever even get anyone to bat an eye, be like, if Dogma. Dogma and Chasing Amy, everybody seemed to know. But they didn't, mm. you know, know who made it. You know, and it's just so awesome. Like, you know, it's like we talked about with the Lord of the Rings thing. And, you know, he really, that was at that same cusp of, you talk back now to any stoner, like, douchey kid from, you know, that you knew in high school. They've all seen Jay and Silent Bob strike back but have no idea what the rest of this guy's movies are. 
You know exactly. I mean? Exactly. And, but that movie somehow became like this cult mainstream thing where clerks, you still have to, you know, and go and find the guy that used to work at a local video store to tell you about how great it is. <laughs> if, if you worked in video games, it was like a rite of passage. It's like, okay, you watch this. Okay, you relate to everything in this. Congratulations, you're now officially one of them. Yeah, congratulations. You've been assimilated. Yeah, you, you've been assimilated into the Kevin Smith Collective. Welcome. Snoochie booches. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm glad that my brother has, uh, has backed off from his uh, um, crazy uh, hate trip on Kevin Smith that he had going for a little while. I think... Kevin Smith definitely had a couple of slumps, but oh, he, I still he, like his humor. He, I, I'll, I'll say controversial opinion. I thought the finale part of Jersey Girl, I laughed my ass off. I love Jersey had, Girl. Where they, where they had like the little eight-year-old version of Sweeney Todd. Yeah, I, it's genius. I laughed my ass off. I thought it was great. No, I, I love Jersey Girl. I think what happened with a lot of people with Kevin Smith is that, you know, when he it, – it's, 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 you know, it's the – I hate to call – you know, a super nerdy person, even my brother, you know, being a bit hipsterish or hypocritical over this, but it is, it's kind of like everybody likes this guy now. And now all of a sudden I have to not like him. And okay. So he made Jersey girl. So he finally got to make, you know, a Hollywood movie and it kind of backfired on him. Don't hold yeah. that against him. And then, okay. So he gets a little angry and goes and makes his little indie movie again, at least a couple of them. Now, at least, you know, he's still working at the level you know, he was. I I think I think time will be very kind to Smith. Smith is kind of. Oh, I think it's it's already being real kind because he's over on YouTube. I mean, on Twitter, his personality is still big. He oversaturated like, he still has a himself. Huge fan base. He did oversaturate himself a bit. Um, but uh, you know, just he's everywhere, right? Um, yeah, I was gonna say I love. I actually like Zach. I like Zach and Miri make a porno. I thought Clerks Two was fantastic. Oh, Clerk Clerks Two, I think is the best movie he's capable of making. In in my yeah. opinion, I think. Um, and I don't mean that as a slight. I I think Clerks Two is. I don't think he's ever gonna go that introspective again. I think that movie hurt him. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that. <laughs> yeah, that went deep a bit. Yeah, that 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 was a deep cut. That one right there, and I that was Zach, Zach and Miri make. Porno is so goddamn funny, but um, it, it's cool because you know as far funny. as as far as superhero TV is going, he's been rocking it. I mean, like he's I, say, I I followed him to when he was doing guest cameo shots on Veronica Mars. Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of the, one of the controlling producers unofficially on most of DC's television shows. So I honestly didn't know that. Too. Yeah, like, he he directs two or three episodes of Supergirl every season and the what's the other one? The Flash. Oh, he, yeah. And and it's like, OK, like that's and, and apparently I haven't watched all of it, but apparently his stuff's the best stuff. So see, I, I, I just I'm glad that DC is at least able to get their TV universe right. Well, you know, for the most part, I don't really count Gotham. Because it's new news, I'll, I'll hold off on something till the end. It doesn't really have much to do with this podcast. Now that we mentioned that, I'll bring up oh. something in particular about that to end this with. But um, oh, no. sorry. We, oh, no, this is a good thing. If you haven't heard it, you're going to love it. Um, oh, okay, but uh, what I was going to say is um, I, I don't want to gate you, but um, it is it is getting super late. And this, as I found with anybody that, you know, it, it's like we've known each other forever at this point. I'm loving this. Like. I, I really like these kind of podcasts. I hope 
and again, I'm not ending it right here. I'm just saying I hope um, this being your first one, I hope it's been okay. I, uh, I I really like this format. I think I do okay as a host. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, dude, I'm, I'm having a ball. I could go cool. on like this for another hour. No, so so what I'm saying is we should probably bank the fact that we should do another one of these. Um, oh, hell yeah. But um, let's, if, I, I'm sure you probably had some points you wanted to hit, so let's make sure we get those. And you let me know how much more you think you want to say, because I don't, I don't want to keep my wife up too much longer. But um, you know, I gotcha. Uh, well, first things first. Um, management. After we switched off, after uh, M and her assistant Dick Cheney manager left, they got replaced by. Uh, I think it's okay for me to say his name because he was. Oh no, no, no! I won't. David. I'm gonna say his name is David because that's not his name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> David was a cool guy. He was. Honestly, one of the most chill managers I ever worked with, and the main reason why is because he sort of cooked the books every once in a while. Like, every once in a while, he would just flat out buy a subscription card for a customer to improve our own numbers. Yep. It kept the DM off our backs, it kept the customers happy, it kept everyone else working happy. Yep. So, that's fine. And then, maybe about two years into his service, he leaves after planning after like he takes a vacation and during the vacation time he's planning on leaving to another job <laughs> uh, that other job is he gets put in charge of running a uh, religious bookstore because he is super 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 religious in the most positive uplifting way that you can be super religious that's Not good the, yeah those th- those those folk are few and far between yeah N- new age can chill and play acoustic guitar religious not like beaten gays religious um so he leaves and i'm at first approached with the management position i'm still in college at the time and i do not want the management position uh my other co-worker jordo was put in the management position jordo has never managed anything and jordo is chaotic neutral is what i think is what best describes jordo <laughs> He does set down and actually work the books pretty well. He's uh, He does the best with what he has available. But the set schedule is me closing five nights a week with the shift leader position. Oh, wonderful. And, yeah, so it's like, I don't know what my Tuesday... I don't know what uh, nights look like except for Tuesday and Friday. Those are the only two nights I have off. I lose sight of everything else for like a year straight. Ah. <sighs> And um, I get we get other customers that come in. I'm sorry, we get um, other coworkers uh, come in that are friends of his that he hires in, and most of them are pretty laid back dudes. They're pretty chill. They mingle well with Hollywood video and everything else. One guy we had was straight up. Uh, he worked five days a week at Verizon Business doing contract negotiation, and just wanted to work Sundays so he could get a discount, and it gave him something to do on the weekend. Hmm. So he liked he liked the atmosphere enough that he was willing to get a part time job there to get some extra walking around money. And he, here's where I learned a bit of a side hustle. He and I both did this for a bit, and I think a couple other people did. Game Crazy couldn't take in broken systems, like we just didn't have an option for it. So when we tested oh. in a system and it didn't work, we couldn't do anything. A PlayStation 2 is real easy to fix if you know what you're doing. Yes, it is. It is a three-minute YouTube video, a flathead screwdriver, a Phillips head screwdriver, a Q-tip, and some Windex. Yes, it is. That is all you need. So, 
I have PS2. done that. Yeah. If you, especially, it works the best with the big PS2s of all things. Yes, it does. <laughs> but um, those damn blue, those damn blue disc readers. Oh my god! All it all it is is just literally you have to clean the lens and then uh, recenter it, and that's it. Done. And I remember we'd have customers come in. Oh yeah, I want to trade this in, and I don't know why they think it sounds better in their heads, but they always go, "Oh, it works. You don't have to test it." Yeah, yeah. I trust yeah. you. Yeah, I, I trust you. I like the cut of your dip. No, I'm going to test it, you idiot. Oh, look at that disc read error. Now, typically, if it was working, you get about $20. It's not working, so we can't do anything for you. But if I step outside and then, you know, a uh, little piece of paper with Abraham Lincoln on it that can be exchanged for goods and services might slip into your hands, I'd take it off your hands for you. And then you'd fix it. I'd fix it, and they'd go into the store. Everyone wins. And then you you make 15 bucks. I make 15 bucks, and the store gets a new PlayStation 2 to sell. I didn't seem to see any moral problem with that. Jordo disagreed. (laughs) Stop that shit. And I think it was, he he said, stop that shit immediately. My dumbass doesn't listen and gets one more 360. I don't trade it into the R store. I trade it into the EB across the street. I, at least I try to, only they're closed. And I cus- they. that's right, if I recall correctly, the EB Games was bought out by GameStop at this point, and no joke, when I go over there, the management has overslept. So the gate was closed. And a customer was in there, was like at the gate trying to buy a 360. I just so happen to walk up with the 360, and I'm just in my head realizing how shady this sounds. It's like, hey, you want a 360? I happen to have one right here. I sell the thing for 200 bucks cash. Oh, no. It works. No complaints were ever heard. But it got wind up to Jordo that I did it. He tears into me in front of everyone. And I'm not going to lie, I was a sensitive kid growing up. And at that point, I was getting ready to graduate college. I was thinking about when I was going to be leaving soon. And I just said, you know what, I guess that day's today. I count them a drawer, I walk out the door. Oh. Uh-huh. Now this is around winter of 2008. Uh, for the record, Jordo and I have patched things up to a reasonable degree now. We're on good speaking terms. Good. Uh... He hires, because he's doing a favor for a guy, one of the Yu-Gi-Oh gang. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, here's a, Miss Rosie was the management over at Hollywood Video, and Miss Rosie was like the deacon of a church. She had, she had the age, she had the wisdom. You would always go to her for advice on how to manage, because she'd been running Hollywood Video for damn near a decade. Miss Rosie would told him, you are making a mistake. You should not hire someone that I myself have banned from my side of the store for shoplifting. The guy had recently found out that he had gotten a woman pregnant and he was trying to do a favor for him. Yep. Because, oh, I've got a kid, i got to raise the kid. He's like, alright, I can give you a job. The inventory after 
I leave gets done and it looks fine. The next inventory comes up, $10,000 worth of missing inventory. Oh, Jesus. Yu-Gi-Oh! gang member is escorted from the premises. Lucky he didn't get arrested. And Jordo was let go. Yeah. About a month goes by, and the entire store closes down. The Hollywood video and everything? Hollywood video and everything. Because around this exact time, Hollywood video is filing Chapter 7. Yeah. See, I was there, and they were filing Chapter 11, and we were just sort of, okay, well, they're just restructuring. This is just to keep them afloat. We're going to make it through this. And, like, all of us working there, we saw the writing on the walls. Like, yeah, no. Customers are getting slower and slower. Video streaming is clearly becoming a thing, so much so that even we are starting to get Netflix. Yep. Yeah, I don't think this is going to work. And one month after that Hollywood video closes down, the entire company goes belly up. Holy shit, man. Yep. I think that was, I want to say, around November or December of 2009. That sounds exactly right. Yeah. And at this time, I was working at Aflac, which... Looks good on a resume, but if you know anything about Herbalife or Mary Kay, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my tale of my time spent with Game Crazy and Hollywood Video, and I do still look back at those years fondly. There's a lot more subtlety and nuance, some characters that go not being mentioned. Yep. But, yeah, uh, that's a rough estimate of my time spent selling video games that's so cool I, man i i didn't even know game crazy existed until i started doing this podcast so that's oh it's not the only dead company i worked for during the holidays of that year when i quit i went right across the street to sell video games at circuit city Woohoo! where the where streets service are paved is, with value where service is state of the art <laughs> no that was no that's circuit city yeah, no, they're both Circuit City. Streets are paved with value, I want to say, is like from the 70s. That's funny. Yeah, no, my so, mom would always quote that So we that got name. we got Circuit Cities around here way late. Circuit City was only around this area for maybe eight years before they went belly up. Wow, really? Yeah, we also didn't have Best Buys until real close to then, or Walmarts. See... We don't have a lot of Walmarts here. Target set up territory in the DMV. Yep. So we got a few Walmarts, but Target owns everything in PG and Moco. This is Target territory. Yeah, Target and Walmart came in here right about the same time and took over all the mum and pops. So we had we had a chain around here called Caldor. Oh, we had one of those. Yeah, we had Ames and we had um, Riches. And all three, I don't think we had riches. All three of those disappeared, and you know, a few months later, were Walmart coming soon, (laughs) Target coming soon. You're like, oh, I see where this is going. Uh, The one Ames we had turned into a value village, which is like a thrift store. Oh, and uh, Caldor turned into a Tart. No, Caldor turned into like a movie theater. We had this chain of thrift stores that 
all have it was the same company it was called building 19 and, building 19 yeah and each one would have like a building 19 in a different fraction so it was like building 19 building 19 and an 8 building 19 and 7 sixteenths just like it was all and they were just indoor flea markets right they you were realize the instant you said building 19 and an 8 my instant mental image is just where the hell is 19th and an 8th you're standing on it dude there you go dude that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and uh these all of them were in like rundown factory type areas that have since been gentrified and tore down and oh turned God. and turned into uh housing to get all the young millennial folk to move into the Boston area. So oh it's God. it's just really funny that building nineteen like just disappeared overnight. Um it was connected to this place um on the outskirts. I, I live in Lynn, which is north of Boston, and it goes Lynn and then Revere and then Everett and Somerville and Boston is kind of the direction if you've heard of any of these places and on the road the Marsh Road they call it which goes along the ocean from Lynn down into Revere there was this building that had a building 19 it's now a Walmart and there was a place called the Massachusetts Merchandise Mart that things had bullet holes in them oh Um, Jesus next to it is an indoor mall which in, in at the end of the day, you know, it's just, it's, it's thrift store, you know, flea market fronts, but you go in there and it is, it's just everything. It just smells. And I don't mean like smells like it, it just, it has that air of everything like a, in, everything in here is stolen. It's like, <laughs> oh God, like looted from abandoned apartments. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's just so weird. All the thrift stores around here. We're all you can just tell from the layout. Once upon a time, they were either a Sears or a Kmart or an Ames. Yeah, like, they've got the same white linoleum floor, the same fluorescent lighting. The only thing that changes is they color like the walls y- piss yellow for some so reason. This is the strangest thing, right? Um, we we have a chain of stores. You you may have heard about it um, because the big story was that it was two brothers in a feuding company, and they were about to go belly up. And, Employees started striking because one of the brothers got fired, and he ended up winning the company back. It's called Market Basket. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it's like a it's a shopping a grocery store. And um, you mentioned that every time they build a new one of these places, they use that old like that linoleum like puke color oh, like 1970s that you think is just you still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, I, I thought that was an um. I can't hear you, Chris. No. Uh, and you think, oh, no, those stores just looked like that way because they faded because they were built in the 70s. No, they built brand new ones. Like, one opened up <laughs> down the street from here, and the day you walked in, the floors were all scuffed up and faded. <laughs> and it's like, all, right, all right, gentlemen, we're going to build it. We're going to build it efficiently, and we're going to build it like it came here in the 1970s. We're we, going to build it to look 40 years old we, and go. We call this the distressed look. <laughs> <laughs> They do it to jeans. You can do it to a grocery store. Yeah, keep on trucking and shit. (laughs) All right, so so as a good host, I think I'm going to start bringing this to an end. This was awesome, um, and I think we should do another one. I I this was a unique take. I I I had no background in any of this. Um, Oh yeah, I am definitely down. So that was awesome. I'm going to recommend my friends listen to talk the Talkbuster podcast, of course. 
but I want to actually ask them around for any other stories that they'd like for me to talk about on air. Absolutely. That'd be great. Um, and uh, I, uh, before I do the, the ending bit, I wanted to say that thing I was going to share is, did you hear what happened with James Gunn? I heard that he's actually uh, signed up for Suicide Squad Part 2, didn't he? Well, but did you find out what Suicide Squad Part 2 is actually going to be? No. They, they're, they're rebooting. They, they oh, hired, thank God. They hired James Gunn to oh. basically fix it. Okay. Like, you have no idea. I was dreading. I was dreading. It's like... Okay, I hated Suicide Squad with a burning passion. How am I going to appreciate the sequel if I hated the original? I've never had a franchise where like the original was absolute trash, but the sequel I have such high hopes for. But right, isn't this nuts? Hear, it's, oh, this is so much. I I can I can rest a little easier. So I remember. Um, you remember Smoke and Aces? Yo, yeah. I was always thinking. Why isn't Suicide Squad more like this? Why isn't it just guttural and violent? That was like, James Carnahan, right? Imagine I, if James Carnahan made Suicide Squad. Holy oh my shit. God. Dude, a dude sat on a chainsaw in that movie. I love smoking aces. <laughs> and I thought, like, that's the perfect level. You want a Suicide Squad movie's got to feel sleazy. Yes, and exactly. That, that Hot Topic, Teeny Bopper, Neon Lighting trailer soundtrack abomination was not sleazy that was what like corporate interests thought sleazy looked it, like. it was sleazy by way of a focus group um exactly and so the thing that's so great is you know so i mean disney's fucking up left and right with this marvel thing they're they're firing <sighs> they're, marvel is starting to fire people that have been writing the comics over their twitter persona yeah i that, saw that yeah, and, and, and so... letting go of the Vision comic, too. I saw that one. Yeah, and so I think this is just so cool because, you know, the, the whole big push has been rehire James Gunn, and it's like, no, DC just went ahead and hired him instead. And yeah, I, um, I really want this to go... I, I hate to say it, but, like, this is sounds like it's almost the turning point and the start of the downfall in the Marvel movies. Well, either that's, either that's that... Like, we just got Black Panther! Either that or... The auteurs that they've hired stick around or just say fuck you and stop working with them. Or, you know, we get DC at least becomes a becomes, you know, on even playing field, right? And yeah. I think, you know, they basically made the Suicide Squad trailer make you think that they made Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I remember. Like it came out with like the uh Queen Bohemian Rhapsody trailer. Um so what I was going to say is that this is about the time where I do the, okay, I'm walking into a video store and I'm going to rent a movie. And in honor of your Twitter handle, um, I'm going to be renting the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film because oh, the absolutely. Green Goblin is fucking great. And What uh, should you rent? Follow the cold shiver running down your spine. That's right. So if I walked up to the counter with that, what would you uh, recommend me rent along with it? Okay, if you're renting Spider-Man, the original Sam Raimi, Real talk, you gotta sort of go with Spider-Man 1 and 2 as a one-two punch. There you go. It's perfect. Period. That's just the way it is, because it is sort of the continuous story. If you want to come back for 3 as an option, it's there too, but I'd still recommend 3 over either of those abominations done by Mark Webb. I agree. That's that's really it. If you want to do the Sam Raimi trilogy, cool. Also, Evil Dead's available. Army of Darkness, if you're feeling really saucy. 
So we'll go with that as your your movie that you're coming up to rent. And I'll recommend if you're going to come up with Evil Dead, then you should rent uh, Dead Alive and Bad Taste. Bring back that Ooh. Lord of the Rings tie-in. Nice. <laughs> um, so, so again, I'll, I'll do my quick outro, but um, I want to make sure I give you the opportunity. Is there anything outside of, you know, the stuff that I do here that you have going on that you want to plug or somebody else's site or just anything you want to tell people to listen to? Because we get, you know, hundreds of people download this, which is awesome. So, uh, Well, I do occasionally write reviews. Uh, it's, it's more of a hobby than anything else. Yep. Occasionally I'll put them up. I did just do a review for Venom. Yeah, I just uh, read it. I just read it before we did this. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah. Um, I tend to review movies that either have a very positive feeling for me or a very negative feeling on me. Take a guess as to which one Venom landed on. Oh, I'm going to go with super positive doing backflips. I mean, you you strike me as a guy that just really wishes we could get back to, you know, what every superhero movie looked like in about 1996. Uh, Oh, yeah, you know me. I I love Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, man. All right, so that that's awesome. So with, without further ado, that that is the end. Um, I'm I'm Chris Chipman, the Chippa. This has been uh, Hugh Campbell, Green Goblin on Twitter. Um, you can find me at my Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ThePippa. Um, thanks to all of you that have been contributing more recently. I'm trying to give people reasons to give more money to it. Um, I, at the one fifty dollar mark, which we've hit. Somebody picked that on the Creating Geeks podcast, we do an episode on Jumanji, so we're going to be doing that soon. Um, I have other things for 175. I, f- I forget someone gets to be a guest on this or on the other one, and for 200, it's a guest on the Chipman Brothers Tangent, or I, I don't remember what I did, um, or pick a topic for Bob and I to talk about, but I'll, I'll retweet that. Um, again, I do the Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother, Movie Bob, Bob Chipman, Creating Geeks podcast with my wife. Shooting the Shit with Chippo, which is a newer one, but it's basically the same idea as all of this, just about a new topic every week. I'm at the Chippa on Twitter, and uh, I also want you to check out the bigbrownchair.org. That's my buddy Peter's movie review site, which I've been doing some writing for. So thank you all for making it a Talkbuster night or day or whenever you're reading this or listening to this. Please be kind, rewind, and thank you very much, and thank you, Hugh.